Welcome back to the Food Forward Podcast, where we are serving up science and whatever the hell else we want. to the first episode of the Food Forward Podcast. My name is Annalise. Hi guys, this is Megan. And we are going to get us started today talking about some studies on sleep and the holidays, holiday eating. Are you a big Thanksgiving person? Well... I wouldn't say I love turkey. I mean, that's also another segue into our episode today. Good old tryptophan in turkey. This is true. Leads us to sleep. So there we go. See that tie-in. We really worked hard to figure that one out. But I wouldn't say I'm a big Thanksgiving person. I don't I, love stuffing. I don't either. I don't do cranberry sauce. Um, I like the green beans. Green beans are good. And the vegetables potatoes. are good. I mean... But then we got to ruin the sweet potatoes by putting... Making it a dessert. <clears throat> Only in America would we make a root vegetable into a dessert. Yeah. What's that marshmallow thing that they usually have? I've gone to Thanksgiving dinners where there's like this marshmallow fruit concoction on the side. Oh, like the salad? Like the marshmallow salad? Yeah. Okay, I'm looking it up. Oh, is it ambrosia? Oh, I think that's oh my gosh. What it is. Ambrosia salad, though. That is good. I just, you know what? That I, is I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I've ever actually eaten it. It's just the sight of it kind of puts me off. Why? It's sweet. It's good. It's got like mandarin, usually mandarin oranges and. Yeah, you're different. totally right. Well, maybe we should give a little background about us. Not Annalise. that anyone really cares. Yes, everybody who's listening right now cares about who we are and where we have come from. Well, I'm Megan, kind of... the girl who grew up with a divided plate and who has learned to love tomatoes and bell peppers and believes that chocolate is its own food group. Yeah, we have dessert waiting for us in the fridge right we now. We do. Stoked on that. Yes, very excited. A little char- chocolate flourless uh, cake with some... No, but really, Megan is great. We both went through the same program at USC... Both dietitians now. Oh, yeah. We conquered that mountain. Although we feel a little bit... I think, at least for me, I feel a little bit like an imposter still. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. So I did a career change, and uh, I am very new at this whole game we call nutrition and dietetics. But I'm I'm loving it. There's tons to learn, and, uh, you know, we're going to see what my memory can retain at this point in life. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're not that old. And by the way, we will be talking about dementia and sleep deprivation <laughs> later on. <laughs> Out of our own personal interest. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did go through a gerontology program, so we have some some level of leg to stand on with yes. this topic. Um, but yeah, Megan's got all the life experience, and I've got all of the non-experience, so I need her in my life. You're getting married Getting soon. married. Woo. And Annalise, introduce yourself. You like, uh, now what's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show ever? I don't know. I was going to say Big Bang Theory. You were telling me before oh, you love Big Bang you Theory. You know my favorite show more than I do. Yeah, I Big Bang Theory, 100% my favorite show. 
we're we're pod- recording this podcast right here in Pasadena, just down the street from Caltech. And my aunt lives here too, big Caltech nerds. So mm-hmm. that show, it just hits another chord for me because I feel like those people are in my life all the time <laughs> and I just like them. And maybe sometimes I relate to Sheldon. <laughs> I'm laughing, and I'm like, wait, but I don't watch that show. I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't know who Sheldon is. That's fine. We'll watch it later. Well, maybe let's start with your study, Megan. We both brought studies to the table today. We did. So we thought it would be interesting to chat a little bit about sleep. Um, I have gone through some ups and downs in my life where I don't sleep uh, more than maybe four consecutive hours. But fortunately, things have been looking up. I've been getting more sleep, and I will tell you, Good. I am a little bit more in control of certain things in my life. It's uh, it's looking good. So I found this study. It's got a lovely title. Increased hunger, food cravings, food reward, and portion size selection after sleep curtailment in women without obesity. We have three authors, Yang, Schnepp, and Tucker. This is from 2019. Um, so basically... I can relate to this after reading through this uh, study here. They took a group of women, you know, um, large age range who typically sleep, you know, about seven to nine hours a night, not obese, no sleep disorders. So, you know, no known sleep apnea or anything like that. So basically they measured tiredness, sleep quality, food cravings, portion size, everything that was listed in the title before reducing their duration of how long they sleep. So they measured what they would want to eat of these certain food items. And then they deprived them by about 33% of what they usually sleep. So they- Was that interruptions or was that, how did that go? So they gave them a later bedtime. Later bedtime. An earlier time to wake up. Oh, so it was duration. Yes. Sleep duration. Sleep duration. Cool. So we're not sure this this could be a problem. We're not sure how well they were sleeping during their usual seven to nine hours of sleep, but um, they basically were looking at how long they were sleeping. So we're taking it down a notch. And overall, they found that, hey, they want to eat these higher fat, more sugary foods, including chocolate, which I don't blame them. I can relate to them on this. We're eating chocolate right now. We're eating chocolate right now. But yeah, basically, I'm not sure anyone who's listening if you've gone through this, but I chose this article because I thought, you know what? Every time I have been sleep deprived, whether it's poor quality, shorter amount of time, both, I just, I want to reach for all that junk and I keep stop. I mean, I keep going and I can't stop. So I'm thinking... With Thanksgiving coming around, like we yeah. were talking about before, and the stress impacting our, our sleep, maybe we just all increase our level of awareness of, hey, those sleep. foods are going to be around. Mm-hmm. Maybe we want to make a better decision and, you know, drink a glass of water before we reach for that fifth donut. The fifth donut? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever had Randy's donuts? Man, no. you, you could good, easily eat about five of those things. Yeah, so interesting. And the hormones that go along with it are also cool. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, this, this study didn't talk about, you know, leptin and ghrelin. That's our, um, our hunger hormones, our, oh, we feel satisfied when we've eaten something hormone. 
Um, but, you know, there's been other studies that, I mean, across the board show mm-hmm. when you don't get enough sleep, you are a hungry, unsatisfied <laughs> human being. And that is not good. That is not good for you or for anyone else. No. I have a study here, Megan. Maybe what do, you, what do you got? You would think it's cool. It kind of goes along with this. As graduates of the gerontology program, yes, we love our Alzheimer's disease people and all of the array of wonderful personalities that that comes along with. Yes, God bless them. Yep, my grandma was one of them. She Aww, was hysterical yeah. and a sweetheart at the same time. Always eating the chocolates. <laughs> we were like, where'd all the seeds candy go, Grandma? Oh. She's like, do you eat it? Oh, I guess that was me. <laughs> That's she fantastic. Just, we'd just find her. We'd have to hide the box from her. She didn't know she was eating them the whole time. Hey, I'd be right next to your grandma. I know, the, right? Those candy. Oh, but yeah. turns out there's a decent body of evidence coming out about Alzheimer's disease and sleep, along with cognitive impairment. So I've got a study from the University of South Florida in Tampa. Omonigio. I cannot pronounce that. O-M-O-N-I-G-H-O is how it's spelled. Et al. Called Sleep, Cognitive Impairment, and Alzheimer's Disease, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. So, Megan, this one was crazy. The overall participants that they had um, from this meta-analysis were 69,216 people. That's a substantial amount. It's pretty large. Pretty large, which was great. I love me some meta-analysis because it saves me time, and they did all the energy of doing all that themselves, so we don't have to. And it seems here, if you don't know much about Alzheimer's disease, it shows that Alzheimer's disease and dementia are associated with significant morbidity and mortality. As we know, it's pretty common here in the U.S., and the cost estimates are $604 billion. What? 2010. I'm not sure. Wait, say that number again. $604 billion cost estimate of Alzheimer's disease. Holy cow. I'm not sure what that means. If that's, I'm guessing long-term care and also probably medical bills. Unhealthy sleep patterns and... That includes shorter sleep duration and fragmented sleep. So not sleeping super great, mm-hmm. as well as waking up in the middle of the night. Also, your sleep disordered breathing, like sleep apnea, is involved in this study, too. Mm-hmm. And they estimated that 45% of Alzheimer's disease patients have sleep disturbances. What percentage? 45%. It's possible that there's like this negative circle, negative feedback loop, where bad sleep leads to worse cognitive abilities and then that also leads to poor sleep so they're thinking that maybe there's kind of a connection between those three oh i could see that yeah for sure i mean we see it on an everyday basis you can't imagine if you already have other things going on well think about it too you know on uh such a level of dementia right but Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis like you me Mm -hmm. you know someone around in between our ages right if we are stressed out if we haven't slept look at your short-term memory yeah, I can't remember a dang thing. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. I don't know how I went through grad school. <laughs> I know, both of us. <laughs> Sleep deprived oh, no. and stressed out. Oh, no. But yeah, I mean, I think about that because it's your hippocampus, right? Mm-hmm. And your hippocampus, I mean, all of that is so impacted when you don't get that sleep because when you are sleeping that's when everything rebuilds and melatonin detoxifies and all yeah. that good stuff body heals yeah it's the weirdest thing you literally i mean billy eilish wrote a whole album because it's so weird that we just sit in the bed and sleep for like eight hours it's a weird thing 
It, it is kind of weird when you think about this, it. So they, they look through four different databases, including the Cochrane Library and Embase, mm. Web of Science, and Medline, or PubMed. And their participants were 40 to 91 years old, so both sexes through a pretty wide age range. So I'm not sure if that included early onset um, Alzheimer's. I'm not sure exactly how they um, classified their dementia cases. But they, were, they all were diagnosed with... Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. which is the most common form of dementia. Mm-hmm. Their statistical analysis used effect sizes, uh, uh, odd ratios, hazard ratios, Pearson correlation coefficient, beta estimates, and standardized mean differences. So a lot. Oh, that was painful. To a just lot of that. All those words. Right I know. There. I want to pretend like I know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> I only know Pearson correlation coefficients and odd ratios of that list, which is fine. Leave it to the experts. They came up with 27 studies and 52 effect estimates, eight cross-sectional, one case control, two retrospective, and 16 prospective cohort studies. And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Right? I know. We could literally make that a thing. Uh, So they found that those with sleep problems, which include all those different interruptions, circadian rhythm, poor sleep, insomnia, and sleep apnea had 1.68 times higher risk for the combined outcome of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease compared to people without sleep problems. So almost twice as likely. Almost twice as likely to have both cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease. Okay. But then they separated them into individual groups. So Alzheimer's disease, they had a 1.55 higher risk. Just for cognitive impairment, it was 1.65 higher risk. And for preclinical Alzheimer's disease, it was 3.78 higher risk. So preclinical Alzheimer's disease, they have the pathology without any symptoms. So that's how that, that's what that means. So 3.78 times higher risk of preclinical Alzheimer's disease. So their main conclusion was that 15% of cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease might be attributed to sleep problems. Oh my god! Isn't that horrifying? Well, yeah, 15% is actually, it seems like a low number, but it's really not. That's pretty high. That's really high. You know, like mini strokes and also just genetics and all these other things impact it too, but yep. pretty crazy. So if we uh, want to live a long and prosperous life, make sure you're getting your sleep. Yeah. And how do we do that? Wouldn't that be crazy if there was a sleep doctor? That puts you to sleep. Well, that would be that would be hypnosis <laughs> <laughs> or drugs. <laughs> no, but somebody who deals with like the hormones of sleep and trying to help people sleep better. Well, I think there are, aren't there? Endocrinologists, don't they do that? Maybe. I mean, there's there's different doctors. Yeah. Right. And um, one doctor and I were chatting. This was a few weeks ago about sleep hygiene. Oh, sleep hygiene. Yeah, that's good. So basically improving sleep quality and sleep duration, right? And what we can do to make that happen. Um, You know, I've been asked, you mentioned melatonin earlier. Yeah. And we know melatonin is made in that little gland in your brain called the pineal gland. Pineal gland. Right? And so when it gets dark outside, our pineal gland says, hey, let's make some melatonin. Let's get you sleepy and feeling good. And put we some like wine that. along with it. Yes, but unfortunately, we found that wine can actually be a sleep disruptor. No way. Yeah. Actually, I think that's true. Yeah, I feel like it puts me to sleep, but I don't sleep as well. Right after a glass of it's red true. wine. It's true. It's true. Fancy. Yeah. So people think that hey, you know what? I'm just having sleep problems. I'm going to go get a bunch of melatonin. 
I'm just going to crank up that dose. I'll be 18 good. 18 milligrams. Yes. And you actually don't want to do it. It actually, their studies have found that low doses of melatonin tend to be okay. What does that mean? Low dose? Well, according to the sleep foundation, it says a typical dose in supplements is between one and three milligrams. But of course you want to consult your doctor before going out and buying your melatonin. Asterix. Yes. Well, what other things can people use to help their sleep? I mean, obviously sleep hygiene is a big one. Turn off your cell phone, people. Yeah, kind of like taking your brain out of the game, you know, before you're, you know, as you're trying to wind down and go to sleep, dimming your lights. If you need to write out your crazy to-do list, like me, I just showed Annalise my giant to-do list before starting this little session tonight. So I don't have to worry about uh, occupying my brain tonight at 10 o'clock when I'm trying to wind down. Have you ever had any patients or clients Hmm. that struggle with sleep that you tried to help? Yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of my older adult population, they're on melatonin, they're on something to help them sleep. And generally I have found they don't, I don't think the melatonin is helping. Yeah. However, I will say, tend to find that they're not physically active, especially during COVID times, you're sitting around, eating a lot, just kind of, you know, not really moving. Well, your bed's not that different than a chair. So if your body's like been in a chair all day and then it goes to the bed, now you've associated your bed pretty much with being awake. Yes, you're absolutely not right. Not help anything. Your bed should be used for Sleep. sleeping and any other other kind of activity you have with your loved one. And that's it. So don't <laughs> do your work in bed. And apparently. That certain activity doesn't hinder sleep, according to studies. I believe we looked this up. I think that's great. So that's good. So there you go. That's off the table. Yeah. So encourage that. That's no, that's no problem. That's part of your uh, sleep hygiene tip for the day. But, you know, also having like a set bedtime. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you're going to bed at 1030 at night and you need to get up at 630 in the morning for the workday... Don't let that change too much on the weekends. You know, I think it's really easy if we don't have to set the alarm and sleep until 10 o'clock in the morning. It's, it feels great, but Monday comes and that's going to be a lot harder. Kind of tough. Yeah. So yeah, that's a huge thing for me. My body just naturally starts to wake itself up at the same time every morning, even when I don't have the alarm. Oh, that's right. You're such I a morning person. I wake up five minutes before my alarm goes off. Dude. It's really weird. Like I'll wake up, look at my clock. And I know my alarm's supposed to go off at 6, and then it's 5.55. Oh, that's great. I yeah. gotta have it be a dark, cold cave when I go to Me sleep. Me too. I'm like that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Environment. Mm-hmm. Comfy pillows. Yes. Dark outside. Have Clean no- sheets. A noise machine if you need it. Meditation. Yep. All those things. People are pretty bad about sleep here. Because we go to bed so far after the sun's gone down in the winter mm-hmm. that... It can be hard because your body's already tired at 5 p.m. and then you keep it awake for another four hours. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Yeah. It's a time change. Yeah, I'm not on board with the time change. In fact, we need to figure out how to... Um, I thought we had a petition at one point. I thought we did too. get rid of it. Arizona doesn't have it anymore because it used to be for our farmers, but our farmers right. are too advanced for this now, so... Well, Megan, how are you when you get to the holidays with your eating habits? Because I know for me... It doesn't usually go so well, but I don't overdo it on the portions. So that's kind of how I stick to it. Do you like to like sample a little bit of everything? Depends. Mm. If I like it. If I like it, for sure. If I don't, eh. Yeah. I won't waste the calories. Right. 
you know, that's how I feel about dessert. I mean, everybody brings something, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes they bring your ambrosia salad. I do. I'm going to skip it. Yeah. I'm okay with skipping it. That's no, okay. Not. I'm going to try. I'm going to bring you some next time. Oh, no. It's so good. Oh, no. So good. Okay, I'll try it. I will try it, and then I will be but very honest. But it has honest. to be good ambrosia salad. It's like okay. trying something that's not good and then making a decision. Well, are you going to make it? Maybe. Okay, sure. Okay. That's yeah, good. sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, um, you know what, in more recent years, as I've become more aware of uh, the kind of foods I'm putting in my mouth, putting on my plate, I am okay with the holidays. Yeah. Christmas time could be a struggle because there's more desserts than the typical yeah. day. They gotta be good quality. If someone's made a fantastic Ina Garden brownie, I'm all over that. Mm. But if you're, you know, you went to wherever and you picked up a random plate of sugar cookies, I, I'm okay with saying no to that. I feel like it might be better now with people working from home. Because the workplace is such a bad sabotager of people's health that maybe... Oh, because you go in the lounge room? Yeah. Yeah. And people bring in, oh, here's the leftover popcorn with sugar on it that we made with my kids last night. And it's just this constant bombardment. But at least now people have a little more control. I think so. But here's the problem. (laughs) People people who I've been speaking with, my, my participants of where I work, they're reporting weight gain. And they are staying home. Because all they're doing is eating. At COVID, yeah. COVID, and, COVID you know, 15. people will still have some family members over, which means they will still have more food. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't predict any weight loss in the future. Yeah. Well, we wanted to talk about some tips that maybe would help. One that I personally like is to start with the veggies. What do you mean start with the veggies? Like if you're in a, if you're get, sitting down to your Thanksgiving dinner and there's a bunch of food there... And there's green beans. You start with the green beans and you fill up half your plate. Okay. And then whatever's left, you fill up with whatever else is there. Now, are you going to actually eat a half a plate of green beans? Okay, not a full. It depends on how big the plate is, but you know what I mean. That's true. It does depend on... start and eat with the veggies. So you fill up on the veggies first. Okay. And then you can move on to the more calorie-dense foods. Okay. I think that's good. You know what I hear a lot of is, it's Thanksgiving, I know we're going to have X, Y, and Z, I can't wait to eat, da-da-da, I'm not going to eat anything all day, so I can eat whatever I want at night. And man, does that blow up in your face. That's a bad idea. Yes. So, our suggestion would be, you eat breakfast, maybe you go about your day, right, you have your healthy breakfast, go about your day. You remind yourself, I'm going into this amazing dinner, and you're going to savor your food. You're going to be mindful of what you're putting on your plate. Maybe even put your fork down in between bites. Mm, that's right? a good one. Because it's super easy as you're getting lost in a conversation, let's say, about the recent election. And you're getting fired up. Oh, boy. And, man, you just want to start pounding away the mashed potatoes and the gravy. And before you know it... It's gone, and you can't remember what they tasted like. Yeah, that's true. Right? I think it's important to remember it's not a free-for-all. No. It's not a day to just, you know, go to town. I mean, you can, and you might not feel too well. I like to avoid feeling like I need to go sit in the bathroom for a while. Oh, boy. Or having that really full belly. That's just, that's not good. I mean, unless you're like, you know, Joey on Friends, and you wear, you know, Phoebe's (laughs) elastic pregnancy pants. Oh, no. You know, he's ready to go, but... I think people are really ready for something fun. 
I know. COVID's been a, it's been rough for everyone. Yeah. We're going to end every podcast episode with a really helpful and delightful tip for everyone listening. So here's your nutrition fact. If you drink two liters of water a day, you'll be too busy peeing for other people's drama. And with that, we we wish you happy holidays. For questions, comments, concerns, anything you'd like to see on the show, please send us an email at podcast.foodforward at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.